Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. It's the last chapter of the book of Ephesians, and we are now at the tail end of this great and wonderful book. Our Lord, Paul is writing on behalf of our Lord, and he is saying now, finally. And when you come to something in your Bible that says those words, finally, finally, he is making a statement of building upon everything that he has told us up to this point. It is my prayer that when we finish this great book, that you would maybe every once in a while, regularly if you would, read through it. It's just six chapters. It's, it's a fairly decent, very easy read. But you might remind yourself of the things that we have been saying that Paul has been teaching us over these weeks, yes, even months, as we've gone through this wonderful, wonderful, wonderful book. So he comes to where he says, finally, I want you to be strong. And if you'll note, we are going to make note of it in a moment. Our strength is in the Lord. Our, our, our might is in Him, not in ourselves, because what he is going to ask us to do is to, is to stand firm. He says those words, stand firm, three different times in verses 11, I think 13 and 14. In the Greek, those words are very important, which we'll see in a moment. It gives us the very essence of what we are to become now that we hopefully will, as he says in chapter 4 and verse 1, walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling. Just a a great book, a a really great, great book to to go back and read over and familiarize yourself. Maybe on, in some of your margins, as some of you have showed me, that, that you write things that, we, that the Lord has, has said to you during any of the messages, and you kind of put down um, some of those reminders, and, and as I do in my own Bible. And um, hopefully it will remind you of, of what you were feeling when God spoke to you during the time we were going through that particular place in this great book. Paul begins to close out this great book, book of Ephesians. And, and in this first service, I found myself almost like a coach, you know. Uh, uh, come on, let's go get them, team. Let's fight, fight, fight. But I don't want to do that this service, but who knows what will happen. Uh, but I, I want you to know that, that I am genuinely impressed with this place in the Word of God. Um, this is a place that I, am, I would love to get us to know even better. Uh, I will tell you ahead of time, we're going to spend a little bit of time here because it's, it's, it, would do, it would do Paul, it would do our Lord a disservice to just brush over these verses at the end of this great book. When, when Paul writes these words, finally, I want you to be strong. I want you to be strong in the Lord. I want you to be, have the strength of His might. And what he is saying this for is because he is about to tell us what I, I want to tell you right now before we read these verses. I want to tell you what is probably not common for most pastors to tell their congregation, and that is to come to trust and believe in Jesus Christ, that is the start of a battleground. Satan is going to be upset. He'll be upset at everything that you do in the name of Jesus Christ, and he will try to discourage you. He will try to stop it. He will try to move against every motion that you will try to make in the name of Jesus Christ. 
And most pastors won't tell the congregation, look, you come to Christ. They like to say, you know, the battle is over. You, you've got all the power you need and you're gonna, it's gonna be a bed of roses. Just have enough faith. And that's a lie. That is a lie. And I will prove it to you in a moment. What the Bible is really saying to you and me is we are in a battle. In fact, Paul says, finally, I want you to be strong in the Lord. I want you to be in His might. I want you, he says, to put on the full armor of God. Sounds to me like Paul is saying, you're going to be in a battle, folks. And I want you to be prepared. And it reminds me of a, of like any good parent would do to their children when their kids finally get old enough. See, I'm old enough to have gone through this. And I remember saying to my son, when he now was going to go out into the world, he was going to have his own place to live in. He was going to try to carve his niche into this world in which we live. And I told him, you got to be prepared, son. They're not going to love you out there like mom and dad loves you in here. And they will try to beat you down, son. I want you to be strong in the might of your Lord. And, and reminded him of this place in Scripture and And I think as a loving father would, because I love you more than I can put into words. I love you folks more than I can tell you. I want to, I want to tell you that, that it is fair for me. It would be unkind if I didn't warn you that, that you and I are doing battle out there so that when you go through whatever it is that you're going through, that you don't feel like you're the only person on the face of this earth that's going through it. Or you must be doing something wrong as a Christian because you're going through such difficult times. On the contrary, on the contrary, you and I need to be aware of the schemes. That means the deceitfulness, the cunning of the evil one, the devil. And so Paul is telling you and me, dig in, expect a fight. Let's read these wonderful, wonderful words. And, and I would encourage you to read them over and over again from verses 10 to, you can go to verse 20, but actually it, it, really, it really would, would the, the essence of it ends pretty much in, in verse 18. In verses 19 and 20, Paul Really, I, I, I get it. I, I wrote down in my Bible, I had bold enough to write down in my Bible my name beside verses 19 and 20 um, because Paul asks the people to pray for him. But, but when we get to verses 19 and 20 today, uh, remind yourself of what Paul is asking the people to pray for him for. I would encourage you to do the same for me if you ever wanted to pray for me. Verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, finally. Paul writes, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, Paul says in verse 13, take up the full armor of God that you may be be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. Again, he repeats in verse 14, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. 
verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verses 18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And then Paul says in verse 19, pray on my behalf that utterances may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Boy, isn't that an amen or not? To be able to boldly proclaim the very essence of the Word of God. What a a wonderful prayer Paul asks of his of his people that he wrote this circular letter to. This letter went to all of the churches in that area. Paul was asking them, would you do me a favor, pray on my behalf? But first and foremost, he says to them, I want you to expect a battle. And I want you to put on the full armor of God. There are three ver- words that are, or three phases that are, are just critical in verse 11. And it's the words put on, The words stand firm and the words schemes. Once you and I understand, put on, stand firm, and schemes, we will understand what Paul is trying to teach us. And so we will do that. During this message, we will concentrate on put on, stand firm, and the schemes of the evil one. Father in heaven above, would you teach us, not me, move me aside. Let us hear from your heart. For Paul is writing a plea to each of us who have ever placed our faith and our trust in you. And he is asking us to walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling, to stand firm against the schemes of the devil as we put on your armor. Oh, Father, teach us. Let us not have Christians here that that shy away from the battles. Let us not be a people that do not desire to grow. Let us be a people that will walk with you all the days of our lives, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I kind of cut that prayer short because, which I really didn't cut it short, but but I kind of did because while I was praying, the Lord reminded me of what I said and and wanted to say to you, there is nothing I think worse than a a believer in Jesus Christ that becomes complacent, that says, oh boy, I've got my salvation, I'm okay, and you don't become excellent in your faith. I, I looked over there and I happened to see someone I love very dearly, Dr. Stroman. And I think of him and I think of how he goes, even now in his in his time of being a doctor, for as long as he's been a doctor, he still goes to conferences, he still learns, he still reads. In fact, one day he, re- he called me and he said, I don't think you have to take Coumadin anymore. And I said, what made you say that? He said, I was reading about it. And on his vacation, I think it was, he called me to say, I think we can take you off of Coumadin. Whatever it is that you are, God wants you to be excellent. It was one of the things I learned perhaps most from my father, my earthly father, is he said, son, if you're going to do it, 
Do it the best of your ability. Do it to the best of your ability. And I guess I am a cheerleader right now saying to you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, don't be complacent with just salvation. That's just the beginning. God has given you and me an opportunity, a reason to live on this earth, and it is to be excellent within our faith. Now, not all of us will be Billy Graham's. I understand that. Not all of us will be these super saints, but... But all of us can be the best that we can be. And that's your choice. So I guess I am cheerleading a little bit. Because I love you. I guess it's like I told my son when he walked away from our house and started on his own journey. I wanted him to be the best that he could be. Not to compare himself with others, but just to do what is the best that he could do in this life that God has given to him knowing that his faith was grounded in Jesus Christ. I say this to you and I say it to me. In fact, it was in my prayer, I guess. I want you to listen. Let me read this to you. I wrote it this week. Listen, please, I wrote. If you hear nothing else from me, please hear this about our faith. When God's word is taught without compromise, And when he begins to bless, Satan will attack. It'll happen. Living out the true Christian faith, which Paul taught us in this great book of Ephesians, we can rest assured that spiritual warfare lies ahead of us. We just read of it. Paul wrote verses 10 through 20 to encourage those churches in that area that he was writing this letter to, to stand firm in their faith, Put on the armor of God because the schemes of the, the evil one is going to come against them. Make no mistake about it. The faithful Christian life is a battle. It is warfare on a grand scale. You need to hear this. I know. I realize that, that, that many pastors won't teach that because they don't want to scare you. And sometimes I think I do that. Honestly, sometimes I wonder, am I, am I teaching too hardcore? And I'm not asking you to answer this yes or no right now. It's not a vote right here. I mean, but, but sometimes I, I ask my wife, I says, am I just trying to dig too deep? Can I leave well enough alone? Because I, in my family, honest, kids said, Dad, Dad, we, we, we got it. We got it, you know. When I would tell him, now I want you to be prepared, son. He said, we got it. I got it, Dad, you told me. So I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to leave any stone unturned with you. Sometimes when I pray, I pray, Lord, let me preach this as if it were the last message I'll ever give these dear people whom I love. You see, we're in a battle, and it would be foolish and it would be unkind of me not to teach you the truth. Let me give you an example. Think with me, please. In Luke chapter 2, verse... Um, no, excuse me. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. You really don't even need to turn there. You can if you wish. But Jesus Christ was in the world, was, was, was fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then, and then the Lord God said, the Spirit of God moved Jesus Christ into the wilderness where, where Satan then tempted him in the wilderness. 
It lasted 40 days, it says in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. That was the beginning of our Lord's ministry on this earth. In Luke chapter 22, verse 44, we are told that at the end, the end, not the beginning, but at the end of our Lord's ministry, Satan was still there. He was there to besiege him. This time, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. And the the evil one came upon him with such force that it said our Lord agonized, agonized so deeply, it says, that he began to sweat great drops of blood pouring out from his pores. What we see from that short example in the book of Luke is, is that the battle of the evil one does not stop. It's not going to stop against you, nor will it stop against me. Satan will continue to attack you and me, at least those of us who desire to live for Christ throughout our lifetime. And a Christian who continually seeks to grow in the knowledge and obedience of Jesus Christ and His Word, and I know of no other reason to be a Christian than to want to grow and to be excellent the best that you can be in your faith. Satan will try to stop you at every turn. A faithful life lived for Jesus Christ will not only bring you and me victory, but it will also bring us difficulties and, and opposition. If you know a Christian or, or someone who claims to be cry a born-again believer and no longer has to struggle against this world in which we live and no longer is struggling against the flesh, no longer is struggling against the evil one, is more than likely a Christian who is most likely fallen into sin and just won't deal with it. And Satan would say, leave him alone. He's doing fine just by himself. Or a a believer who is not any longer fighting against this world in which we live, the flesh and the evil one is is most sad of all. A, A believer who has just become complacent. Complacent in their faith. And I pray that not for you. And especially for those of us who are older. We are needed within the body of Christ more now than ever before. It's, it's not time for you or me to say, I've done enough, let the younger people now carry the load. No, no, we're to carry the load until the Lord takes us home. Do not become complacent in your faith. Each of us are needed. Because if we walk in a manner that Paul has taught us, worthy of our calling in, in Christ, then the spiritual battle will begin. And to live as, as Paul asks us to live, it will mean that our lives will draw people to Jesus Christ. And that is Satan's greatest nightmare. I mean, listen, he realizes that he cannot touch you and me. He cannot take our soul to hell. You are, and I, I am, we are secure in Christ. Paul has taught us that. But Satan can, and he shall desperately try to render you and me ineffective so that hopefully our, he thinks, Satan does, so that our lifestyle 
will stop drawing others towards Jesus Christ and away from his destiny for so many in this world, and that is to his home in hell. You see, if we are walking in a manner worthy of our calling in Christ, then we'll walk as Jesus Christ walked, the best of our ability. And folks will be attracted to Him, our Lord and our Savior, because of our walk with Christ. Let's let's kind of just review, just not not long. That's why I encourage you to read through the book of Ephesians as, as we finish this up. Get... Maybe look back at some of your notes and, and familiarize yourself with this great book. But, but in chapter 4, verse 1, it says we're to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. What did that mean? What did Paul say? Well, here's just a few that, that just came to my mind as I was sitting at my desk. We're to walk in humility rather than pride. We're to walk in unity with one another rather than being divisive. We're to walk in this new new self that we are, not the old man or woman. We're to walk in love rather than in lust. We're to walk in God's light rather than in darkness. We're to walk in God's wisdom rather than to be a fool. It says we are to walk in the fullness of the Spirit rather than being filled with wine and drunkenness. We're to be walking in mutual submission to one another as we learned from husband to wife to, to parent to child to child to parent to, to worker to employee. All we're to walk in mutual submission with one another rather than self-serving independence. We learned so much more than just those few things that I've just listed. To walk in this manner, you can rest assured, though, that Satan will be in opposition to that walk. He will attack, and conflict will occur in your life. So Paul warns us in verse 10 and 11. He says, I want you to stand firm. I want you to put on, he says, the full armor of God, because the battle is about to begin. He's warning us, so... It is reasonable that I should warn you and me as well. You know, sometimes our faith becomes, and this is just a sidetrack a little, but sometimes our faith is like a football game. Now, I've been watching some of the drafts, you know, where they draft players from college into the NFL. It's, it's, a, it's a major time in these young men's lives that they're moving on to play a game that they had been playing since they were little boys, and now they're going to go and get paid to play the game that they love. And I was watching some of that, and it made me think about football games in general. Football games is 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 if you if you know anything about it, you see the team on offense huddles together and they call a play, but nothing happens until they move towards the line and the ball is snapped. That's when you, you hit opposition. The, the opposing team doesn't want you to move. Well, sadly, for most of us believers, faith is like living for Christ within these four walls. This is the huddle. But there is a time where you and I are to move to the line and, and to stand against the opposition. The opposition that's not desiring for you and me to advance uh, our faith. 
And Satan's fine. He's absolutely fine for you and me to live our faith here within these four walls. But once you go out from here and you get out into the world, that's where the pressure of the opposition most ki- will come against you and most likely you're going to get hit by the opposition. Paul says as much in 1 Corinthians 16.9. You don't need to turn there either. Listen to this though. It's, just listen to Paul says. He says in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 16, he says to the people, a wide door for effective service is opening for me. But he concludes by saying, but yet there are many adversaries. That's the truth of it. A wide door for effective service is open to you and me, but there are many adversaries out there that don't want us. Some of the adversaries are our own selves, thinking, I'm not good enough, I'm not bright enough, I, I can't do that, I, I don't want to do that. I, I... Listen, when God asks you and me to live for Him, we need to know that Satan will attack. He will try to discourage that desire you have within you at every turn. I, I let me just give you a short little little testimony. This this week, as a staff, we we wanted to take the whole staff out for a lunch. What a great time it was! Pretty fun, wasn't it, Lisa? Just to sit at Olive. We went to the Olive Garden and we just sat. And I I had a chance to sit down alongside of someone that I, I knew, but I didn't know very well. Man, I had more fun with her than than anybody deserves to have. We just laughed about certain things. I had no idea she was as charming and as just funny as she was. We talked about making salads. It was silly. It was silly talk. And so I told her, I said, my kids hate my salads. She said, well, I might not. I said, I'm inviting you over. I'm going to make you a salad. But I throw everything into it. Even the dressing. She says, well, I might want the dressing on the side. I says, then you're not going to like my salad. I made myself a salad this week. I thought so much. I called her. <laughs> I called her to tell her, man, am I having a great salad. <laughs> she laughed with me. And the reason I tell you that story at all is, while I was sitting there having a bite to eat with our staff, this young, very beautiful young lady was waiting on us by the name of Nicole. And I was fighting the fight. Something within me was saying, find out about her faith. You always try to find out about someone's faith. Find out about her faith. And I kept saying, no, no, it's too crowded. All of these people, I'm not going to embarrass her in front of all the staff. I mean, who am I to embarrass this young lady in, in front of everybody? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. We well, have to know that I wrestle through this all the time. This is my normal way. And then in a little while I say, well, then what do you want me to do, Lord, if I'm not going to wrestle through You know, and I talk to them about it in my mind, you know. And so I say to them, okay, I'll do it. If you help me, bring her here so that I know I can can't miss and I'm not going to embarrass her. Sure enough, man, she comes and stands right alongside me and I say to her, Nicole, do you church anywhere? And she says, yeah, church at Raul Reese's church. I said, oh man, I love Raul Reese. I'm, I'm so glad. She says, but she says, right now I live kind of in off of La Palma and she lives right near here. And she says, yeah, I don't have a church to go to. And a couple of us said, come to our church, come. And I said, I said, if you, if you come, let me know you're here and come up afterwards and give me a hug. Left it alone at that. 
when we were walking out to go, we were upstairs and we were going down the stairs. And as we were about to do that, I walked by her and I said, thanks, Nicole, for taking such good care of us. She said, do you mind if I give you a hug? Holy cow. I said, you bet. You bet. Kind of gave her a hug. And when I was walking down the steps of the Alicard, I kept, I was saying, you know, Lord, I'm a, I'm a piece of work, aren't I? I'm trying to fight you tooth and nail about talking to this young girl. I do it every time, and every time you bless me. Every time. Satan tries to discourage us from doing what we are called to do in this world, and that's to be a light. What we need to do is advance. We need to put on the armor of God. Walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling. Represent our Lord here on this earth. But first, as he says here, Paul does, put on the armor of God, the full armor, so that you might stand firm in his strength and in the Lord's might. Because for God's sake, you and I do not want to do this battle on our own strength. We'll get beaten up. Satan is way too strong and too smart for any of us. So basic to your being, let's, let's take a look. Basic of your being an effective Christian is to be prepared. That's the start. So Paul says, finally, okay, listen up, folks, because he is getting to his point. Finally, he says, we need to be strong. Well, strong where? Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord, not in your own self. Almost in every book that Paul wrote, he wrote something about our strength comes from being in Christ. He says in Philippians 4, what is it, 4, 13, he says uh, this, he says, "I, I, I can do all things, he says, what? Through Christ who strengthens me. That was what Paul reminded us over and over and over again from his word. He says we can do everything. We can handle all things through Christ who will strengthen us. Paul is warning us like a good parent with all of his heart that it's not your strength, it's not my strength, it's not our strength that counts, but it's from where our strength comes from. It's in Christ that the battle is won. So Paul says in verse 11, watch, three things. He says, put on the full armor of God. Why? Well, so that you may be able to stand firm. Stand firm against what? Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Three, three phrases. Put on, stand firm, schemes. To take full advantage of God's power against the schemes of the devil, we need all of God's advantages So Paul says, put on. The word put on in Greek is E-N-D-U-O. It carries with it the idea of permanence. Why permanence? In other words, God's armor isn't something that you and I put on once in a while and then take it off so that we can get a rest. No, no. Putting on the armor of God is is to become a lifelong outfit that you and I wear the rest of our lives Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, because you and I do not know when the battle will begin. We don't know from where the battle is going to come from. We are just simply to be prepared and ready all the time. 
put on, permanently put on, the armor of God. It is through living and being prepared by God daily that you and I will be able then to stand firm against the devil's schemes. The word stand firm in the Greek, and it is mentioned in verses 11, 13, and 14, stand firm. It is H-I-S-T-E-M-I. It, it is a military term. It, it is the idea of holding a critical point while under Attack. In other words, holding your ground. Don't retreat. Stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Here's the best way of explaining that. Jesus Christ said in the book of Revelation, the second chapter, the 21st, the 25th verse, he said, hold the fast. In other words, stand firm. In other words, hold your critical point while you are under attack. And for how long, Jesus says, Revelation 2.25, hold fast or stand firm until I return. And so in verse 11, our fight is against the schemes of the devil. God has given you and me a responsibility to continue this fight until Jesus Christ returns. We're to hold ground. We're not to retreat. We are to stand firm. We've put on the full armor of God permanently, and we're now holding our position. We're standing firm. No retreating. So what's going to come after us? Paul lets us know. He says, during this time, until the Lord comes back, that you are standing firm, you're to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. That word schemes in the Greek is M-E-T-H-O-D-I-A. It carries the idea of craftiness. It, It could be also translated cunning or deceptive. You know what the term was often used in those days? It was used of a a wild animal who cunningly stalks their unexpected prey and without the prey knowing it automatically would pounce upon it. That's the fight that you and I are in. I want you to, I want you to see, Paul has already, now watch how it all starts to fit together. Look back at chapter 4 and verse 14. Paul has already gently reminded us about these schemes that are going to come against us. But here he, he tells us about it really boldly saying to put on, permanently put on the armor of God. Stand firm. In other words, hold your ground until the Lord comes back and fight against these schemes, these, this deception that's going to come against you. And in Ephesians 4.14, Paul says, we are no longer to be children. We are no longer to be tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. In other words, false teaching of the Word of God. We're no longer to be fooled by the trickery of men, false teachers, by the craftiness and deceitful scheming. In other words, the deception. Can you, can you see the importance of, of, of knowing the Word of God so that we can stand firm, putting on the full armor of God against the deception of the evil one that comes through the teaching of false doctrine? Look back at 
in chapter 4, you're right there. Look back just two verses and we can see why we are told to equip one another. Within the body of Christ, we're called to, to help equip one another so that we could build each other up, so that we wouldn't be deceived by Satan's schemes, by his trickery, his craftiness, his deceptions. And Ephesians isn't the only time, again, that Paul warns us. In 2 Corinthians 2.11, he says, we need not become ignorant of the devil's schemes or his deception. We are to be mindful of Satan's ways. We are to be ready. We are to be prepared. We are to put on this armor, this full armor of God. We are to stand firm and not retreat. And we are to do battle against Satan and his craftiness, his deception. You know, the word Satan is, is used within Scripture 52 times. It, it, it means adversary. And the word devil is used 35 times, and it means to slander. So Satan slanders our Lord's name. He slanders the very word of God by opposing God's Son and being his adversary. But folks, he is our adversary as well. He wishes to take as many people to hell with him as possible. And our fight is to come against the thinking that has so engulfed this world in which we live. We're to come against that thought process that is trying to lead people away from our Savior, Jesus Christ. The other day I was watching television, as I'm bent to do when I have the freedom to do it, and watching mostly programs that have they're talking back and forth, conversation and and there was a conversation about this guy who was a reverend. I don't even know his name. I don't want to know his name. Anytime I see a guy introduce himself as reverend, I kind of run for cover. Because the Bible says there is only but one that is reverend. That is our Lord and Savior. But he's this reverend, and they were talking about Franklin Graham. I guess Franklin Graham has said something that has, has uh, opposed and, and, and hurt some uh, some people's feelings, and, and, and the statement was, well, why can he not pray at this prayer thing? And he said, because Franklin Graham believes that Jesus Christ is the only way. And she says, well, you're a reverend. Do you not believe that? He says, of course not. Of course not. I've, I've gone to school, he says. I've learned that there are many ways to God. And I said, you $3 bill, you. Yeah, really is right. Here's this reverend teaching this world in which he's speaking to on television that there are many ways to God. Satan's schemes are being used by this man. Satan has deceitfully convinced the world that the family has become a burden. He's trying to convince very good people, I'm sure, that marriage is old hat, unnecessary. Children can be brought up without a a husband and a wife, a, a father and a mother. They don't need both parents. In fact, it, the world is trying to convince our children that really the, the village is the better way. I know I'll get letters on this, but women unite and women's liberation begins. A movement that denies God's plan for God's order in the family. Please, ladies, don't write me. I... I love you more than you know I do. I won't get letters from men, but I'm going to say this to men. Men try to continue to suppress women, hold their domination over them. 
Listen, we've already learned what it really is like. We are both to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. He makes people feel superior because of their skin color. You've got to be kidding me. Rather than the essence of what's in their hearts. And then men like this reverend form one religious group after another only to pervert God's only way for true salvation, which he demonstrated on the cross. When Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. And then he goes to the cross, he sheds his blood for the forgiveness of sin. And then when he died three days later, he rose from the dead to prove that he is exactly who he says he is. And and religious groups after religious groups deny the very essence of Jesus Christ. All of these things and so much more are just but a manifestation of the schemes of the devil that is fighting against this world in which we live today. And so we learn that we must put on permanently the full armor of God. We must, as believers in Jesus Christ, stand firm, hold our ground, do not, return, do not retreat until the Lord God returns. And we are to fight against these, these cunning deceptions that come against God's Word. In fact, we learn... From Luke chapter 8, verse 12, listen to this. The devil will come and will take away the word from within their hearts so that they might not believe and so that they might not be saved. Let me read that again. The devil will come and take away the word from their heart so that they might not believe and they might not be saved. And Satan comes in, it says in Matthew 24, 24, and if possible, he would even try to mislead the elect, those of us who believe, but that's not possible. He cannot do that if we understand and know the Word of God. That's why this must be taught. That's why there are so many churches moving away from teaching the Word of God. They've, they've fallen prey to Satan's schemes, his deception. I know that I drive things home too often. I know that this is not a, a lot of fun sometimes. It's, it's, I understand. I, I fight the same battle. Should I maybe make it... Well, I'm not bright enough to make it more fun, but what, what do I do? What do I do? And I just hear over and over again, you preach the Word. That's what you do. Just think, oh, I didn't... Oh, that's kind. That's kind. Listen... We need to thank God that it's not possible. James and John lets us know what we need to know concerning our enemy. James says, you and I resist the devil and he will what? He will flee. He will flee from us. But but the verse that I really want to drive home for you this this morning is 1 John 4.4. It is the most wonderful of verses quoted often, it is pure and simple, greater is he who is, what, in you, that he meaning Jesus Christ, greater is he who is in you than he meaning Satan who is in this world. Listen, I, I, um, we will talk in the weeks to come about what does this armor, uh, what does this armor look like that we're supposed to put on? Look at this beautiful young lady. I saw her when she was just like a kid. Had the privilege of marrying her and her wonderful husband, and now she's a mommy. Oh, my God. There's nothing like ministry that just goes on. 
Look, we're to, we're to stand firm, hold our ground. We're to put on, permanently put on the armor of God. And we'll learn what that means in the weeks to come. And we're to fight against those deceptive schemes of the devil. Sometimes it looks like it's really, really special, but the truth of the matter is it's a bunch of lies. We need to understand what those lies are so that we can fight against it. Lauren's going to sing one of my favorite songs that she sings. Um, it's, it's What Can Wash Away Our Sin. Nothing, she says, the song says, but the blood of Jesus. We're going to close with a couple songs. You might want to just kind of just kind of listen and, and sing along and enjoy this beautiful young lady sing this song. Thank you. I love you all so much. Have a great week. Thank you. Oh, thanks.